Music from D.C. and Baltimore You'll find it all here on Corridor Waltzes or cut time or straight for four You'll find it all here on Corridor Can we all just agree that we need to do something about the flooding going on around the world? Houston, Bangladesh, India, Sierra Leone. I don't understand why why this issue of climate change has become a political issue. It's a human issue, and humans are suffering. Alright, I had to get that out there. Obviously, my thoughts have been with the people in Houston this week. In my own little life, there hasn't been that much going on. I've been staying busy at work. Things are going well with Santa Labrada, and uh, it turns out that my boss is a fan. He wanted to hear our demos since uh, we played in Frederick last week and word got around. But he was into it. So good job, ladies, for rocking out. This week's guest is Easy Jackson, a rapper, activist, reporter, and currently the MC in Soul Cannon. Just a quick show note, you'll hear a little bit of a noise that I'm talking to his adorable little daughter, Zadie. So just so you understand who he's talking to when you hear him uh, have a side conversation there. This conversation was really good. We talked about working with a band versus rapping solo, um, how he keeps positive even in the face of so much going on in Baltimore these past couple years. We get a little heavy, too. We talk about uh, the racism he experienced touring in Boston. We talk a little bit about how he grew out of homophobia and actually ended up being one of the leaders for marriage equality in Maryland. We talk about Easy's work with the Real News Network. He's done some good pieces of, uh, I, w- I would characterize it as uh, journalism activism. So he's a busy guy, and I think we covered a little bit of everything. Before we get to our conversation, you're going to hear the Soul Cannon track, the 27th letter. Enjoy. Who always wear a poncho To hide what he used to defy mankind One move 
I survived Realized Del Donco no longer by my side I grabbed his poncho and headed to the ride I cried, but got better I discovered the 27th letter Then I had it embroidered in my Argyle sweater And figured out the proper way to spell go-getter In other words, like word Solar Robot Home Was Hollow Del Donco Rest in peace, Del Donco Still here, baby Hi, Easy. How are you doing? Hey, what's up, Kelsey? How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me over. Uh, got yeah, to no meet problem. your daughter. She's adorable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks. No, thanks for coming through. I guess we can start off with Soul Cannon because that's your mm-hmm. current project, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how did uh how did you get involved with those guys? Um, Soul Cannon. We started. We've been together since 2006. Um, originally, uh, my good friend Ryan Dorsey and I, uh talked to form the band um i have me and ryan went to school for the arts together okay um and after high school i went to the navy but ryan went to peabody um and so he had met john burkholz matt frizzell and our original drummer nathan elman bell there um and then we we were trying to get in touch with each other for a while um finally finally got in touch uh, and had apparently been had the same idea. <laughs> um, you know, I was I wanted to put together a band. Um, he had he he and the other guys had the idea to do a band with a rapper. Um, and so we started that way. Um, it started out because uh, I had already been doing some solo stuff. It started out they were just kind of covering the beats, you know, recreating the beats I was rapping over. Oh, that's interesting. And then that that got a little boring. So uh, they started writing original music, and we started kind of pushing the envelope a little bit outside of traditional hip-hop. Yeah, so that's interesting. I didn't realize that you guys got started. They were basically covering the beats. So what was that transition like from going from the material you already had to going to um, new things? Yeah, um, it was interesting. It was a challenge because for me, I had been used to, as a rapper, the role of simply giving the band the beats, you know what I mean, and then recreating it. Um but what I learned was that, uh, you know, musicians like to be challenged, you know what I mean? Especially, like, really creative musicians, you know. And so I, 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 I saw that them creating the music would give them more stake in the band, you know what I mean? As opposed to just, you know, just creating this thing that they might not necessarily have been really fond of or interested in. Um, so it was cool. I got to actually learn a lot and I have learned a lot, um, working with them just as, as a musician, as a writer, as a performer. I've learned a lot about music, um, that way. Like, what do you mean? Can you point to anything? Well, I mean, I didn't know what 4-4 was. You know what I mean? Um, I knew how to count 16 bars. That was about it. You know, I didn't know a lot about song structure. Um, I definitely didn't know anything about rapping outside of the traditional four, 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 four format. So, you know, rapping in, you know, rapping over music that's in five or seven or three was, um, was new for me. And I got to, I got to learn a lot that way. I learned a little bit about how to read music, um, you know, from them. Um, and then just the importance of, uh, cohesion within a band you know um i think i've and since then i've seen a lot of rappers bands fail because you know the rapper comes in thinking this is the way i want things to be as opposed to coming in like okay i'm also an instrument how do i fit into this whole piece because when you're rapping it's just you so it's yeah. not just you out there that's yeah. interesting yeah so with, with soul cannon you're watching soul canon you're watching a a a piece you know what i mean it's not um it's not easy jackson with his band you know what i mean so 
I, I like that a lot more. Well, because I wanted to ask you about how that switch was, you know, not not being the the rapper, but just being the MC of the whole band. Yeah. So why do you like that more? What is it about it? I I like the fact that um, I can play my part and know that there's probably an equal amount of people in the audience paying attention to either the whole piece, the whole project, or, you know, one piece. So you'll have, you know, you'll have people in the audience who are fans of guitar players and they might be paying more attention than Matt. You know what I'm saying? You might have people who are fans of drummers and they be paying more attention to um, uh, uh, Charles, you know, as opposed to it just being me, you know. Um, and then also I like, I mean, the guys, they're my friends too, you know what I'm saying? So it's like we're, when we step on stage, we're stepping on stage as a team, as a unit. And um, I always like working in teams. It's nice to have that social aspect as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. just sitting there like making your beats. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is just because of what I listen to. I guess you could say like traditional rock. I haven't heard anything quite like Soul Cane. And so mm -hmm. where did you guys get your sound? Like how do you write your songs and where did those influences come from? Oh, man. Uh, this is I, this is a question I wish the guys were here for because <laughs> the, every song is different. You know, um, right now, there's a few new songs that they've created that, um, that, you know, they've kind of digitally come up with the music. You know, Matt, Matt and John will kind of, you know, write the music in a digital format and send it to me. And then I'll come up with lyrics and then we'll all sit down together because you know, they may write certain parts that they may want to extend, which will mean I'll have to extend lyrics or they hold on, baby. Or they may want to um, they may want me to cut something out or, you know, say something in a different way. So it's kind of like we start off with our separate pieces and then we all sit down together and put it put it together. So it's real, really collaborative. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now I don't I don't know where you're at now because you had um put this up a while ago but are are you considering hanging up the hip hop career still? I'm putting it on pause for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, you know what tomorrow I may bring whether I'll pick it up or not. Um, right now, creatively as far as music is concerned, I'm really. I really want to focus on Soul Cannon. Um, I feel like there's more of a need um, for something innovative, something different, you know. Um, and I know people like what I do solo-wise, but as a fan of hip-hop, um, I haven't quite found um, a lane of my own so to speak i feel like when i first started out rapping i felt like there weren't a lot of rappers out there like me mm -hmm. you know and i think because of the climate right now because of the times for whatever reason i think that there are a lot of rappers like me out there you know what i mean who are you know uh giving you good content um strong lyrics um and 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 creative writing you know, I think that there's a lot of rappers doing that um, by themselves. And, and and I just personally have gotten a little tired of the rap grind because, you know, people don't want to pay rappers to perform. You know what I mean? There's so many of us out there that um, it's, it's a lot harder for me to make a living as a rapper, um, whereas... As a band, you know, it's it's almost always expected that we will be compensated for what we do. Yeah. You know, um, people just respect that a lot more than they do rap. So, I, so I'm just, you know, taking a little break, spending a little more time with my little one right here that's bouncing around me. <laughs> um, and, um, and I just recently got into journalism, um, which I'm really enjoying. I'm working at the Real News Network and, and doing that. So Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. Um, I want to put a pin in that, though, because mm -hmm. I, I did want to ask uh, about your lyrics, which yeah. you also mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I hear a lot of positivity in your lyrics, both mm -hmm. with the band and on your own. Mm -hmm. Like with everything that's going on in Baltimore these days, is that hard for you to to have that positivity do you think it's important to have it yeah i mean i think it's important uh i can't really 
run from it. You know, um, my mother was a poet. Uh, my father's a visual artist and singer and poet. And um, so I grew up. I grew up taking lyrics very seriously. You know, um, as I've gotten older, I've learned that they don't matter as much to people. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, that Which was a tough thing for me to kind of figure out. You know what I'm saying? That people don't really care about the lyrics anymore. You know well, what I'm saying? Especially now that you're with a band, because a lot of times yeah. you can't even hear it. A lot of times you can't hear shows. it. You know what I mean? Um, and so the, so the lyrics become sort of this hidden gem that, you know, after you've listened to the song a few times... You know, then you find, you know, the gym. And um, so it, it it has become a challenge for me because I put so much into what I write. You know what I mean? And right. I, I so I released these two projects on my own. And um, I feel like a lot of people latched on to the first one. Um, and I feel like the second one just kind of, you know, went under the radar. And I really put a lot into that project. Um, so I think today, given the social climate, it's almost as if positivity or messages and lyrics is kind of like a fad now. You know, it's kind of like a phase, which for me, I think it'll never be. You know what I mean? I think I, I always feel like it's important to say something lyrically. Um, I've always believed that... Um, music is the soundtrack to life you know um i grew up a big fan of the music that came out in the 60s and 70s when we were in serious turmoil in this country um and you know even hearing the stories of of um older folks you know hippies from that time period being exposed to black culture um, through music, you know, and vice versa, black people being exposed to, um, white culture, Americana, um, through, uh, the bands they liked, you know, Beatles, uh, uh, Bob Dylan, um, you know, uh, to solo wise John Lennon, you know, yeah, those, those things, like a lot of folks became hip to that, um, and, and, and opened themselves up to other worlds through music you know so so i'm always going to feel like that's important but i just feel like right now it's not it's not required of me specifically sure. <laughs> to keep doing doing it yeah with soul cannon um what do you guys have coming in the pipeline are you guys working on any albums or anything like that yeah so we we've got a whole project that we recorded um and we're kind of slowly releasing it like we did we did a guerrilla marketing strategy about a year ago where we gave physical copies to uh, devoted fans, people close to us. Um, and then we went on tour a few weeks ago. Maybe oh, maybe it's been a month now. We went on tour and we got uh, half the songs put up on printed up on a split cassette tape. So, you know, so it's so so there's. <laughs> that's Zadie. All right, you gotta chill, Shorty. Relax. All right. Um, so we did a split cassette with Cascading Elephants, who we, we toured with. Um, and uh, so some people have songs, some people have copies of those songs, some people don't. So we'll probably do some kind of full release of that album. Okay. But um, we're writing totally new music now too. Where'd you go on tour? East Coast, most uh, we just did a small East Coast run from here. Uh, I think the furthest north we went was Providence, Rhode Island. We uh -huh. did, we did Providence, we did Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Philly, Massachusetts. Do you have a favorite city that you had? Um, man, uh, I've toured quite a bit over the over the years, so I'm falling in love with a lot of cities in America. But on this particular tour. Um, I was particularly impressed with Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh yeah, I actually um, I went to school at Boston University, so I spent a little time in Cambridge too. Oh, yeah. it's, it's really cool. Yeah, um, cause I don't like Boston. Um, no, no I, I, I you don't. know what? That's the second person that said that in these past yeah. two days. What is it you don't like don't about li Boston? I don't like Boston. Um, I've I've been to Boston twice, three times. I've been to Boston three times, and. 
every time it's just, I've just had a bad experience with uh. the people there. Um, I, the first time I was in Boston, uh, I was, I used to be in the Navy. So, um, our ship had just come back to the States after 9-11. And, um, we went to Boston, uh, for, you know, a Liberty visit while I was out. Me and my, my, one of my brothers served with me. Uh, me, my brother, and a couple other guys, we were in a car. We got pulled over and the police officers immediately went to violence. You know what I mean? They, wow. they told me, I never, I always say, I, I, I just, every time I hear, every time I think about Boston, I just, I can hear the police officer in my ear going, get the fuck out of the car. Oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, punched my brother in the face, punched me in the Jeez. face. It was like, it was like just this, this ball of confusion going down until they realized that we were active military men. Yeah. And at that point, they gave me my license back, told us, you know, going about our way and left. That's um, terrible. Yeah I, yeah, I wouldn't, I can imagine why you don't like going back there. <laughs> the second time uh, was my first time playing music in Boston and it was actually with Soul Cannon we went up there and um promoter jerked us out of money um but but all three times just general interaction with the people in particular the white people in Boston just made me not want to come back there I experienced in those couple visits to Boston I experienced more racism than I've ever experienced touring the South. Mm. Um, I love touring North Carolina. Um, I love North Carolina. I love hitting South Carolina. Um, great times in Austin, Texas and Little Rock, Arkansas. And so I was, I was pretty surprised at, you know, um, the overt racism yeah. that's going on in Boston. But when I went to Cambridge, it was none of that. Like mm. it was, it was really a cool town. Uh, a lot of appreciation for the arts, at least where I was at. Um, and, uh, just, I don't know, just a lot more of a pleasant vibe in Cambridge and a couple of people being very specific that they were not Boston, <laughs> which <laughs> yes. I thought, which I thought was cool. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, I'm really yeah. sorry to hear about those bad experiences. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, I think people don't realize like how bad it can be up there because they're yeah. like, oh, you know, it's, it's all yeah, liberals. It's, the north, yeah. it's like, yeah it's not not safe no yeah anyway i yeah um i hope i hope your next trip up to cambridge is is good <laughs> thanks i'm even still hoping for a good experience in boston one day um i used to say if i played music for the rest of my life and never ever played another show in boston i could die happy sure. but i'm a little more open-minded than that now you know i think like if if uh if the right opportunity presented itself, you know, I'm still optimistic that there's that there's some good folks in Boston. Yeah. I mean, there's good folks everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, there's racism everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess that can kind of get us to your activism. Um, yeah. I, I know you had a big hand in marriage equality oh, yeah, several years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, so how did you get involved with that? Let, let's start with that. Um, hey, that's good. You know a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> um, like I said, I was in the Navy um, after high school. And um, activism for me goes back a ways. Like my mother was always pretty active. Uh, her and my father were involved in the Black Panther Party back in the day. And just, oh, really? Yeah. And just always growing up, um, they always you know, taught me a sense of social responsibility, you know, and, and voicing, you know, voicing your opinion, but also fighting for your rights, you know, and, you know, and teaching me, especially as a black man in this country that, you know, I was not born with the same privilege, um, as others. So there, that was always a part of my mind, but, um, there was, uh, one year, um, in, in, while I was in the Navy, we had uh been told that for Martin Luther King's birthday 
it would not be observed as a holiday, but it would be a regular working day, all hands working party, actually. And they worked us all day. Um, and then that night, I went to the domestics and there was soul food for dinner. And I I got really offended by that, and um, I wrote my congressman. I made big noise on the ship about it. Um, a few of us did not eat dinner that night. Um, and did you feel like it was like mocking almost? Yeah, I thought it. it yeah, I thought okay. it was. I thought it was a spit in the face. I thought it was mocking right. us. And you know, we made the point that you know Martin Luther King didn't just die for black people, so to serve soul food was an insult just you know just because he was black didn't mean that you know everybody in the world was getting together for fried chicken and ribs and collard greens you know what i'm saying although um, those are delicious they're, they're great yeah they're yeah. awesome i mean <laughs> uh but so the following year um not only did we have a holiday for martin luther king's birthday but um they asked me to help put together a program and i was kind of in charge of the the meal and so we we put we put together an international meal that represented all the cultures that were on the ship at the time um and we had you know people from uh, you know a diverse group of people read the read martin luther king's i have a dream speech and i realized at that point that i was in the military fighting for a right that as a military person i could not uh, enjoy myself and that was the right of being able to get active you know what I mean and protest and you know things like that so when I got out I was looking for that kind of work you know how can I get involved in you know in organizing so so I found an internship uh, internship at SEIU which is one of the world's lar- largest unions one of the fastest growing unions right now in the country and they were focused on healthcare at the time this was 2004 Bush was going up for his second term um and uh you know we got i i got i got involved in that that way and so i wor- i ended up working for SEIU from 2004 to 2014 10 years and in 2012 marriage equality came up mm. and and it was an opportunity for me as a straight man um, as a black man and as a union member, which which were all demographics that at the time were saying heavily were heavily against uh, same sex marriage. Um, but also as an artist, you know, I, I went to Baltimore School for the Arts. I have a lot of friends who are gay, very close to me. Um, I, I myself had gone through a period of homophobia that I had now overcome, you know what I mean? And in and, and understanding what it meant to be gay. Um, and so I thought it was important for me to take that leadership role and say, hey, look, you know, hey, you know, I'm 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 a black man. I'm straight. I'm a, a union organizer. And this is important if we if we are if we are being honest about what we want as a society and what we and 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 being honest about looking out for those you know that are in our communities then this is important you know what i mean i i talked to friends of mine who had expressed that they had to go to dc to get married mm-hmm. and being in a in a racial relationship myself i saw a, a direct connection because i was like wait hold up just 40 years ago you know, we would have had to go to D.C. to get a marriage license because being married to a white woman was illegal. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, and, and, and in that still, you had a lot of mixed couples who still stayed together, still did everything that every other married couple did. But when one of them died, they had no rights to their uh, to their spouses. You know, so again, um, very, very yeah. similar. So it was, it was, it was very similar down to the fact that one of the senators who was, uh, I believe Senator Stone at the time, who was leading opposition to same sex marriage had also opposed interracial marriages when he was, when he was, uh, serving back then. So, so I saw a direct connection and I just thought it was oh, important to, to take that role. 
Well, thank you for being open that you went through a period of homophobia. Oh, I'm yeah. really curious. How did you grow out of that? What was it that kind of made you realize what, what, what um, you might want to change your thinking? I was, at the time, I was very, uh, I, at the time, I was kind of coming out of being very religious. I was in a strict church, apostolic church, um, that was, you know, very serious about quote unquote what the Bible says. And I remember talking to a coworker and it was, it was always kind of a struggle for me as an organizer, as a progressive organizer to work around, you know, folks who were very liberal and not really a fan of religion at all. Um, so that whole process was, was a learning process for me, but there's one conversation in particular. I was, uh, a coworker of mine, Stephanie, she said, I said, uh, I was talking to her about a friend of mine who I had found out, um, was, was dating a man. And I was bothered that he had not talked to me about it, you know, cause we were close. And so I was talking to my coworker about this and she was, basically letting me see his side you know what i mean and being like well maybe he doesn't feel comfortable talking to you about it because you have such strong opinions about it and i was like well i mean it's wrong and she was like who says it's wrong and i said god says it's wrong and she said does god say that or does the bible say that and i couldn't answer that question comfortably being honest you know what i'm saying because the honest answer was some man wrote that you know what mm -hmm. i mean and so um i i went to my friend we went out for drinks dinner we laughed we tripped like we always had and i never mentioned it and a few days later he found out that i knew and he called me and he said thank you and I found out that um, what I thought was very important to him. Um, and so we began having very open discussions about it, you know, and I got to understand what life was like in his eyes. And at that point, I put, put myself in his shoes. I had to say, well, you know, what if I lived in a time where women were just for reproduction mm -hmm. and that we weren't supposed to walk around and be with women you know how would i feel if the whole world was telling me that this was wrong and all i've ever seen when i see women was attraction all i've ever felt was attraction then you know would i want somebody who was gay to stand up for me and tell those people you know what i mean that the way i'm living my life isn't wrong you know, and that love is love and that people are people and that we don't all have to like the same thing and we don't all have to live the same lifestyle, but we are, we should all be, we should all have access to the same luxuries, rights and liberties as everybody else to just simply exist, you know? And, um, and once I began to do that, I began to really fall in love with the gays like you know what i'm saying i mean my 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 i i really got to see them other than just gay you know what i mean i got to really you know spend time with their families and really learn about the struggles they'd gone through and but then just to experience a different kind of love a uh a, a, a unconditional non-judgmental non love from them you know what i'm saying my lesbian friends don't go oh fuck we got our cis male friend coming over tonight you know what i'm saying it's like no easy's coming over you know what i'm saying so i found a different kind of appreciation that I, uh, that I almost enjoy more than being around straight people to be honest oh, just right. to be just to be straight up honest with you today I, I would I much rather be around um, my LGBTQ friends because they are they keep it a hundred with you you know what I'm saying because they kind of have to they got to keep it a hundred with themselves all the time whereas we as cisgender folks we get to we, you know, our fa facades are almost accepted. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, yeah. 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 Well, that, that's that's a beautiful story of coming around and you know growing as a person. So yeah. It's it was it, the fun part. I think for me, especially in marriage equality, was one of my jobs was going around 
um, through our membership and having these intimate conversations about same-sex marriage and watching watching people uh, <laughs> change their 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 perception and their opinions based on you know these facts that you know I presented that I myself had gone through you know what I mean and kind of putting them in these scenarios you know um, I'll never forget one grandmother standing up and expressing how much love she had for her niece you know but her niece was gay and this thing was like blocking their relationship because she just felt like it was so wrong and me kind of I, I I took that opportunity to put her in her niece's shoes you know what I mean and and asking her well how do you think your niece feels knowing that her grandmother loves her conditionally yeah. you know she loves her but but yeah. you know what I mean how do you how do you feel you know because I'm, I'm pretty sure you can do no wrong in her eyes <laughs> you know what I'm saying and that and that really she came back to me later and she said you know um, that conversation really, really changed. And, you know, and, and I, I saw her maybe a year or two ago and she was telling me how they are tight, you know, they're thick as thieves now and can't nobody say nothing about her, her niece's girlfriend and how, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're close. And so I think one of the most rewarding parts of that whole process was getting to have these intimate conversations with folks who weren't, you know, weren't open to it. Yeah. Well, that's a powerful thing. Just, being able to love unconditionally, you know, yeah. unconditionally, like you said, that's, yeah, that's. We need more of that. Yeah. That yeah. might save the world. I don't know, but I think it might. I think it could. <laughs> I think that's the one thing we're missing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you've also taken on other issues. Um, it, with the Real News Network, it kind of seems like you're doing a little bit of journalism, yeah. activism together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I saw your piece on Tawanda Jones, which yeah. was really well done, I thought. Mm-hmm. Really Thank well you. done. Thank you. So Thank can you talk to me about how you got involved with Real News Network and where you think that's going? Um, yeah, in 2014, I, um, I left SEIU and I, and I went, you know, full time with music. And it was just kind of a personal career decision. I was like, you know, I'm going to take this chance and I don't want to work for anybody ever again unless they hire me as a rapper. Um, and so I had no interest in the Real News Network um, at first. I went there once when they kind of first came to Baltimore or when Eddie Conway was first released. Um, I went to one of the talks and I was a little underwhelmed by what was going on there and I didn't I didn't have any dislike for them or anything I just it was the furthest thing from my mind and uh, my friend Bashi Rose who uh, does some of some of the editing well he's the chief editor of my show the whole bushel um, he hit me up and he said hey they're looking for some new folks at the real news and the way they described what they're looking for to me sounds like you'd be a good fit so it was a couple months of me going back and forth. Like I went to sit down and meet Paul J, the CEO there. I sat down and met Eddie Conway first, which was, uh, which really piqued my interest because I grew up as a, I grew up going to fundraisers and things like that to get Eddie Conway out. I don't know if you're familiar with Eddie Conway, but he I was, I don't know his whole story. Well, he's a former Black Panther who oh, okay. did 40, I think 44 years in jail for a crime he didn't commit. Um, uh, and he, uh, so he was released, um, um, a few years ago. And so Eddie Conway, to me, um, is a hero. You know, I was a hero for me growing up, you know, so that interests me right off the break. But then when they started to talk to me about the kind of things they wanted to cover, I knew that this was like a perfect fit for me. You know what I mean? It was like they wanted to bring more arts and culture to the to the to the network, but also they wanted to cover Baltimore. Um, the Real News Network has a worldwide viewing audience, um, and their headquarters in Baltimore. And right now, we're still working to build our brand here in Baltimore, uh, but. Uh, people wanted to know what was going on in Baltimore, especially post Freddie Gray. Right. And so my kind of goal there is to highlight the parts of Baltimore that mainstream media doesn't. You know, we are well known for The Wire 
and the corner and now of course the uprising in 2015 but there's so much more here you know and initially I wanted to do that and I always had that goal in mind through my music you know what I mean to show Baltimore in another way than what people were used to seeing the Baltimore that I know uh, and so now I get to do that through journalism so I'm covering stories and putting my own approach to it which is a very Baltimore approach and that's give me the truth give me the real like you know don't 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 sugarcoat it don't pussyfoot around it give it to me straight up how it is and what it is and so I want to do that and I also want to highlight you'll see me highlighting a lot of the positive initiatives that are going on in Baltimore that that you don't hear about you know you'll hear about a murder you'll hear about um you know uh You'll hear about a shootout. You'll hear about a robbery. You'll even hear about police brutality before you hear about uh, an organization that's been struggling for funding for years to provide arts for children who otherwise have no place to go. You know, you'll you you'll hear about that stuff before you hear about, you know, um, the lady who organizes a stop the violence um cookout in her neighborhood every year or back to school rally every year. You know, you'll hear about those things. Um, you don't hear about those things. So I want to I want to cover those. I felt like, you know, like you, you mentioned to the Jones story. That was a story that I felt needed a lot more. Um, it needed a lot more exposure. You know, I, I saw local media just kind of brush over it, you know, but here's a woman who refused a million dollars. You know, how many people are going to turn down even a piece of a million dollars, you know? I mean, that must be, an, I don't know for a fact, but I imagine that it's a very unusual thing when you have a settlement coming from the city like that. I oh, yeah. Know. Yeah. So, and I have been personally following Tawanda um, and her story from day one, you know, so it was, it was interesting when Freddie Gray happened. Um, uh, shout out to Height Keach. Uh, me and Height and uh, a duo from Detroit, Pasolacqua, we were on a U.S. tour. We had been on tour for 45 days. And um, the Freddie Gray thing happened right about the time the tour was winding down. And I remember having a conversation with a lot of people and saying that, you know, uh, as it was getting ready to heat up to the point of riots and things, you know, when Freddie Gray first, when it happened, I, I was telling people, I was like, I'm sorry, but Baltimore is not Ferguson. You know, we have dealt with this for a while now. I, I you know, I knew about Anthony Anderson. I, like I said, I've been following Tawanda in the Tyrone West story. So, um, so when, when that came out, I felt immediately I felt like I needed to go and cover that and get her story out there. Well, like I said, that piece was really good. You did a good job with that. Thanks. Um, are there other specific things that you want to get to that the the local and national media is not covering? Um, yeah, I mean, right, right, right now we're covering the ceasefire that's happening this weekend. Actually, I just like I was late coming to meet you because we were wrapping up the first edit of the second part of the ceasefire story we did one part yeah we did one part we dropped last week um and then we did a second part today that should be up either sometime this evening or tomorrow morning and then um and then we're going to do a follow-up of the whole weekend we're going to cover the whole weekend um so you know stuff like that um, I want to cover. I definitely want to highlight. I definitely want to highlight um, the arts, which is why I have my show called The Whole Bushel, um, where I sit down with artists. We talk politics. We talk world issues. You get to see the artists perform, um, um, and we do it all over crabs. Uh, but so the whole bushel. That's yeah, the whole bushel. Where can people find that? I want to ask. That's on therealnews dot com. Um, and YouTube. You can go to YouTube and just type the whole bushel. Um, we got a Facebook page too and a Twitter. That's such a fun idea, and it's yeah. very Baltimore. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to approach it in a way like, as artists, we always kind of ask the same questions. You know, when we get interviewed, um, I'm enjoying that you're asking me different questions. But I've been it. in a lot, of, a lot of interviews. You know what I mean? And it's always kind of like the same three or four questions. But I think what people forget is that artists, um, we. We have a job, and that's to articulate the human experience. So a lot 
goes into our thinking before we create a song or paint a picture or, you know, choreograph a dance or anything like that. Um, we're existing in this world. So I want to know how artists feel about police brutality, about gay rights, about, um, you know, uh, 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 on a lot of the shows, you'll hear me ask the question, um, would you consider yourself a patriot? Mm. You know, that, that's an, I bet you got some yeah. interesting answers to that. Yeah, one. I think you'd be surprised at how many people would love to be a patriot, but just cannot because of their own conviction in seeing how this country treats people, you know, in particular people of color, you know, um, and the things that we've been through. Um, I think almost every black man that's been on the show has said that they don't consider themselves a patriot i think i may have had one or two that said you know um but the question is almost always answered with even if they say yes the question is always answered with but it's difficult you know what i mean it's hard to be a patriot i think um you know i think it's important to hear that 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 from artists you know what i mean that you know we're not we're more than just uh entertainment you know that the entertainment actually comes from a place of existing in a world that has all kind of things going on are you a patriot i am a patriot um but i'm going to answer that question like a lot of a lot of the brothers have you know it's very hard for me to be patriotic you know i'm a patriot i've i served my country and i think that um I think that there are a lot of places in the world that are worse. That doesn't mean that I should be satisfied, you know, with how things are. And so um, through my patriotism, um, I want to, you know, continue to have honest dialogue about where we are, where we come from. Because, you know, as I talked about in my own, just with LGBTQ rights and things like, you know, I, I, I had to come to an evolution. You know, I had to I had to evolve as a human being by listening and hearing other people's experiences. And I think you have a large part of America right now that's cut off to what it actually is to be a black man in America, you know? Um, and don't want to learn. Don't, yeah, don't they, hear. And they don't care. Don't you know what I mean? They don't care. You know, I mean, right now we're having this discussion with, I'm a football fan. You know what I mean? I love the Ravens. You know what I'm saying? I love my team, but I have to go into these groups and you know on the social networks and stuff and see fans fellow fans uh belittling my rights and my existence in this world you know what i mean i mean to to for it to be 2017 and then log into a ravens discussion group and see you know the word nigger monkey uh you know being told you know go and collect your welfare check and shit like that it's like it's really disheartening because when i go to a ravens game it feels good i love watching the games but now it's going to be kind of weird knowing that i'm sitting in a stadium with all of these fucking racists yeah. you know what i'm saying so it's tough to be a patriot you know what i mean um i'm proud of my time in the service i'm proud that i served my country i served my country at a crucial time we you know i was in the first battle group to respond to 9-11 and um and so uh i take service to this country very seriously but i can't do it without looking at the realities you know the star spangled banner is a racist song which is why the majority of us only know part of the song. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough to be a patriot in 2017, but I'm not going to give up on, I'm not going to give up because if, if my forefathers had given up, if my forefathers had said, fuck it, then, you know, I'd still be getting served at the back of restaurants, you know what I mean? And drinking from different water fountains and, you know, running through the woods at night to see my wife you know what i'm saying and stuff like that so yeah you know so i i you know i i i am i would say that i'm a patriot but i'm probably not your typical kind of you know quiet spook uh by the door <laughs> um patriot you know i'm a vocal patriot i fought for my right to protest i fought for my right to have freedom of speech i fought for my right to question authority and challenge um challenge those in office well, thank you for what you do and keep on doing what you do. I, you. I like to wrap up um, 
I like to wrap up with this question, getting it back to music. What advice would you have for someone getting involved in music? What what? Well, in your case, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna expand that to activism too. Say there's a say there's a young rapper out there and he's working on his flow, but he also has like strong political thoughts. Like, what what advice do you have for that person? I would say learn everything you can. Um, on all fronts, you know, um, learn. I think, um, I think one of the biggest blessings for me in my life has been my openness to learning, you know, my openness to just learn and soak it all up because we're not always right. You know what I mean? And we may feel like, you may feel like you know it all and you're ready to go right now, but, um, I would say just soak up as much knowledge as you can and don't be afraid to put that in your right and push yourself you know what i mean um challenge yourself all the time and that's that because that's the only way you're going to grow you know otherwise you're going to be sounding the same way for years and years and years and doing the same thing and you'll lose people but um yeah i just learn man learn it all soak it all up every chance you can get learn something new meet somebody new try something new Right. Learn something new. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, thank you so much, Easy. This was a lot of fun. It was a. Uh, I feel like it was an important talk to have. Yeah. Thank thanks, you so Kelsey. Much. I appreciate. It. I yeah. appreciate you having me on the show. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Easy Jackson. Thanks to Soul Cannon. We've got a little bit of exciting news this month. I'm going to be putting out the show weekly. We've had so many bands that wanted to come on. So many bands that said yes to my invitations. People reaching out to me that, uh, well, we need to get this stuff out there. So why wait, right? Uh, I can't promise that the show will always be weekly. There'll probably come a time when we need to kind of slow things down for whatever reason. But for September, at least, we're looking pretty good. So thanks for all the support and getting the show back up again. And send me some bands to listen to, uh, particularly DC bands. I realize that we've only had one. So far, that is. What's up, Number Station? So yeah, keep the music coming and thanks for listening. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. Get at me on the Twitter account, at CorridorCast. We have a Facebook page as well. Same thing, CorridorCast. So get in touch. Send me stuff to listen to. All right, have a good week. See you next time.